In the first reading at the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, we always hear from Exodus about the Passover, how it was to be celebrated, and what it was meant to commemorate. Commemorates that last terrible plague that God visited upon the Egyptians during the reign of Pharaoh Ramses II, who refused to listen to Moses when he kept saying, let my people go. And many mighty deeds had been done in Pharaoh's presence to try to convince him that the God of Israel was far greater than any God he himself might think exists or worship. The Nile had been turned into blood. Locusts devoured their fields. There were frogs falling from the sky. But all of that to the eyes of Pharaoh and his servants seemed like magic, but it wasn't threatening. That was until God was going to strike down the firstborn in every household and the firstborn even of every flock and all of their livestock, except for those who had the blood of the lamb painted on their door. That is how the Hebrews were to be spared and able to walk across the Red Sea just days later. It was the blood of the lamb that saved them. That's what was being commemorated as Exodus explains how it was to be celebrated, they're very clear about the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, eating with your staff in your hand and your loins girt, ready to flee at any moment. This is why Jesus and his disciples have gathered in the upper room on Mount Zion to have the preparation meal for the Passover. Well, Jesus has brought bread and wine, but the apostles might have said, where's the lamb? They were looking at him. Jesus is God. Jesus was there when God passed over and saved a million people by the Lamb's blood. Now he is the Lamb. He is the altar. He is the priest. He is the sacrifice. And by his blood, not millions, billions will be saved. Anyone who wishes, anyone who repents, and everyone who believes can find salvation in the blood of the Lamb. Hours before that blood was to be poured out at the pillar during his scourging and on the cross during his crucifixion, that blood was shared with his apostles. One last great miracle as bread becomes his body as he promised it would, as wine becomes his blood as only he was capable of doing. For him, it's about to be the end. But for the apostles, newly instituted that night as priests, it was just the beginning. And he intended them to go forward, his church as well, when he said, do this, do this in memory of me. And it wasn't just the Eucharist, which continues anywhere and everywhere the Mass is celebrated and has for 2,000 years and will until the end of time, but it's also the church as servants. That's why Jesus broke from Exodus ritual by beginning the meal that particular evening by washing the feet of his disciples. Yes, they had their ceremonial washings, but everybody had to fend for themselves in that department. Never would they have expected to Jesus to lower himself to do it for them. They believe he is God. God is washing my feet. I wish I'd cleaned them before I came. It was very humbling and embarrassing for them to have this done. But it was one last sign of just how far God had entered into this world before he entered into the tomb and went down to hell to give hope to people like Moses and Adam and Eve and Jacob and Joshua 
and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and so many other just people who were locked there waiting for someone to open heaven's gate. It was one last condescension. God descended, condescended himself to come into our flesh. He condescends himself to get down on his knees and to wash the feet of these 12 men who later that night he already knows. They'll be swearing oaths that they do not know him. They will scatter to the winds and abandon him. And oh, so few of them would dare to set one foot on Calvary to watch him give that last full measure of devotion to God and love for God's people on the cross. Christians everywhere are gathered in churches just like this tonight to see how it all came down. It all came down to this, that thousand days between Jesus' baptism. His all led to this moment. He was preparing them at every step of the way for this and then saying this, do in memory of me. What I have done for you is an example. Now go and do likewise. And that is why the church continues to serve the least among us, the forgotten ones, those in the margins. And here is where we get the gas for the engine that makes it all happen. The sacramental strength that we need in order to do what he commands us to do, to love one another as he has loved us. And so, my friends, it starts tonight. But this Mass does not end tonight. It ends with the Easter Vigil on Saturday night. And so I encourage you, as others flee tonight and scatter to the winds and abandon Jesus, stay with him. Stay with us. Continue with us to the altar of repose, representing Jesus' journey from the upper room in Mount Zion down through the Kidron Valley and up to the olive grove on the Mount of Olives where he sweat tears of blood, waiting for them to come and carry him away. That's what we'll enact here tonight in just a few minutes. But then come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow to see a church bare, dark, as was the world when Jesus was taken from it. Come to venerate that cross which Jesus will use to set you free from sin, even from death. But then, as we will be washing the feet of most of those to be received into the church this Easter, come Saturday night, when Jesus will once again drive out the darkness, the stone will be rolled away, and light will shine again. Let us be with him on that lonesome road as he completes his journey, ours begins. Remember, what he has done for us is only example. Now we must go and do likewise. And so, as a sign of the church's unity and our apostolic foundations, I now invite those 12 who have been selected to have their foot washed to please join us here at the altar. Please come forward at this time. When you get to a chair, please remove your footwear on just one foot. It's symbolic. Just one foot. And I and the servers will prepare for the washing of the feet.